Well, good morning to you. I had hoped to be uh, preaching this message from the sanctuary and the pulpit at Pittsfield Nazarene, but the circumstances of the week led to a decision needing to be made to go to online services this weekend. And so while that's not what we would most desire, uh, that's what the circumstances are. One of those being uh, one of my daughters uh, has tested positive for COVID uh, this week. And so we are uh, following the recommendations. Uh, we're not in fear of this virus, but we certainly don't want to give it to anyone. Uh, we all feel fine. Everyone's doing well, at least at the time of this recording, Thursday afternoon. And so I just want to thank you for uh, continuing to keep the faith, continuing to trust the Lord in these days, and continuing to pray for one another. Some are very sick with the virus, and uh, uh, at the time of this recording, uh, Delbert Shepherd especially is very sick, and uh, just call upon you to be continuing to pray for him and for his family. and. Uh, I'm so thankful that we have one another in these days and our faith in the Lord will guide us through and sustain us. And uh, so let's uh, let's take some time this morning just to pray as uh, we are worshiping together in this way and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts through his word uh, that I believe that God has uh, put on my heart to share with you. Father, as we share these moments together through the internet, through computers, through phones, however uh, different ones may be watching. I thank you that we can trust you in these days. Nothing has changed with you. You are faithful. You are good. And each and every person can seek you and can trust you. I thank you that you are available to us today, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us and our faith in your great plans and purposes for our lives still hold true. Help us today uh, to worship you that this will still continue to be a day of rest, a day of worship. We've been here before and you'll guide us through once again. We love you and we praise you in Jesus name. Amen. I don't want to take up a lot of your time uh, this morning but I do want to be faithful to the word and to the message that I believe God's put on my heart. So I'd invite you, if you have a Bible, to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, I've entitled this message, Naaman's Thanksgiving. Um, Thanksgiving ought to be a primary theme of the Christian life. From Noah and Moses to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, from the great kings and prophets of old, to the wisdom and poetry of the Proverbs and the Psalms from the apostles and the disciples in the New Testament to the angels around the throne of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving is an anthem for the people of God. Thanksgiving was first proclaimed uh, by George Washington, General George Washington, during the struggle for freedom in the American Revolution and national thanksgiving came when a tired but visionary leader named Abraham Lincoln called for a day of national gratitude amidst the backdrop of the bloodiest war 
in American history. According to the U.S. Department of Defense, there are presently 200,000 soldiers deployed in over 150 countries, with 40,000 of those assigned to classified missions where their loved ones don't even know where they are. This year, Thanksgiving here at home comes with inflated frustrations, fears, and anger, all only made worse by a virus, civil unrest, partisan rancor, indecisive elections, and daily life upended for just about everyone. All the while, there are still crumbling marriages, fractured families, tensions over past problems, and anxieties over family health, finances, and a whole lot of other things. It's very much the same with the Word of God. It defies logic, but thanksgiving is most often expressed when hearts come to see their desperate need or joyous reception of God's gracious deliverance. It happened like that with a man named Nahum, and I want to invite you to look with me at 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then they said to her, she said to her mistress, If only my master were the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl from who, who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, and I have sent, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened, when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive, that this man sends a man to me to heal him from his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me 
and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the, the Abinah and the, Parf, and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then, when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he, Naaman, returned to the man of God, Elisha, and sit, and he and all of his aides, and came and stood before him, and he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. Father, we need you to speak to us today. We again are desperate for your presence in a world where so many voices cry out trying to tell us what we should believe or not or what's true or not. May your words through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts, minister to us, teach us, challenge us, correct us, rebuke us, uh, everything that we need today, we're trusting in you for it in these moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How does this story teach us about uh, Thanksgiving? Well, we find ourselves here in the last days of the reign of Israel's King Jehoram in the ninth century before Christ. Nine hundred years before Christ. In those days, there were endless raids by the Syrian king Ben-Hadad II into the northern kingdom. They were led by this Syrian field general called Naaman. But Naaman, as great a man as he was, suffered from leprosy. Here he is, this powerful general stricken with a powerful disease. Underneath the story of powerful kings and generals, and war is the story of the Hebrew maidservant to Naaman's wife. She has been made a slave, and she tells Naaman's wife about the prophet Elisha. This girl believes in God and that God is acting and speaking through his prophet Elisha. She tells Naaman's wife that he can heal her husband's disease. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Naaman asks Ben-Hadad about this Elisha. King Ben-Hadad wants to keep Naaman's victories coming, so he sends a letter to the northern king of Israel, Jehoram, offering a lot of money for Naaman's healing. King Jehoram thinks Ben-Hadad is asking him to do, to do the healing, for him to be the one that heals Naaman. He decides, King Jehoram decides, this is all a trap, and he tears his clothes as a sign to the people that he believes a great attack from Syria is on the way. Elisha hears about it and tells King Jehoram 
to write back and tell the great general Naaman to come on over. In other words, Elisha is saying, King Jehoram, don't be afraid about all of this. Tell Naaman to come on over and see me. Elisha knows exactly who he is and exactly what God is capable of doing. We take our pains and our burdens to God. That's always the right thing to do. And in, in this day, taking your pains and problems to the prophet was the same as taking your pains and problems to God. He still welcomes us, just like he did all those years ago. God welcomes us to bring our struggles and our trials to him. If only more people suffering from the horrors of sin would come to God and set under the preaching of God's word, they too would be healed. Naaman gets his healing directions from Elisha. And surprise, surprise, he doesn't like them. To follow them requires an act of faith in the God of Israel rather than the pagan gods of Syria. So Naaman, naturally, gets upset. Isn't it interesting how sinners frequently buck at God's exclusive claims and demands on their lives? All too often, I've heard it said throughout my life, and I'm sure you have too, people have said, well, I don't want to become a Christian, or I don't want to do all the because God's going to ask so much of me, and God's going to require so much of me. Well, that's not untrue. It's just hard. Someone said long ago, holiness has not been tried and found wanting. Holiness, living out the holy life, has been found hard and left untried. And there is so much truth in that statement. Naaman's servants manage to convince him to give in and do what he's been told. The text says, His flesh was restored like the flesh of a child, and he was clean. Naaman responds, thankfully, with the best efforts at thanksgiving he knows how to make. Now remember, up until this point, uh, and in fact at this point, all he is is a former pagan worshiper, a worshiper of pagan gods. So Naaman is, responds in the best ways that he knows how. Sometimes young Christians will respond in ways that, that those of us who've been walking with the Lord for a while may think, wow, that's, that's not really appropriate. But we need to remember they're walking in the, with the Lord, they're growing in the Lord. We were babes in the Lord once, and uh, let's be understanding and willing to take the journey with them. So Naaman makes the best response he knows how at Thanksgiving. All of that to bring us right here. What do we learn? What can you and I learn from Naaman's Thanksgiving? This, this Syrian general, this worshiper of pagan gods, this man struck by leprosy who has now been cleansed. What can we learn from him? Well, I think there's a couple of things. Let me try to uh, point them out to you. First of all, Naaman's thanksgiving was a response to God's grace. He returned to thank God by trying to thank Elisha. That this great man had leprosy reminds us that no matter how blessed or great we think we are, 
we are all marked by sin. The Bible teaches us that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God and that only faith in Jesus Christ can heal us of the leprosy of our souls, which is sin. If you've been healed, if you've been forgiven, if you've been cleansed and given new life, the correct response is to follow Christ. In the Gospel of Luke, there were ten men who came to the Lord for healing of their leprosy. Uh, I talked with our teens about this last uh, Sunday night. There were ten who were healed, but only one came back to Jesus to give thanks. And the one who came back was a Samaritan. He was a foreigner. All of the men received a physical healing uh, for this lifetime, but only the Samaritan foreigner who was thankful, who was a worshipful man, only he was healed and forgiven and received eternal life. You know, sometimes we might think that a physical healing in this life would be the greatest thing. But what good would it profit someone to be healed only in this life and to miss out on eternal life and the eternal rewards that God has given for us? If your life has been transformed by God's grace, then that grace will transform your thanksgiving into an act of genuine worship to the one who has healed you. Naaman's thanksgiving also is a confession of God's glory. It's a confession of God's glory. His healing led to a confession of the one true God, the one and only Lord of all. Thanksgiving is not just pausing for a day to maybe get off from work and say grace before a meal and maybe have a good time with close family. It's more than worshiping pagan gods when we say, oh, thank goodness, or that was sure a lucky break. For Naaman, Thanksgiving was a rejection of false gods who were powerless to heal him and receiving the God of Israel, who he now understood was the only true God, the only God of all. Thanksgiving is about God getting all of the glory. In Revelation eleven seventeen, we read these words. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. It's not really thanksgiving unless we truly are acknowledging that God alone is worthy of all of our thanks. Our thanksgiving should not be to thank each other or to thank goodness or to have a national day of celebration where, where we're just thankful to live in this land or we're just thankful for our military or we're just thankful for our leaders or just thankful for our freedoms, as wonderful and as important as those things are, we're coming up short if our thanksgiving isn't totally and completely directed to the one true God who is the author of all of the things that we should be thankful for. Well, one more thing. Naaman learned that thanksgiving is not to repay God, but to rejoice in Him. And this one is so important. 
far too many live their, their, their lives, their Christian lives, seeking to repay. To repay God, to repay parents, to repay that teacher that made such a difference, to repay that employer that, that gave you that first job or that trusted in you, to repay someone or something. Naaman, through his thanksgiving, learns that, that the goal isn't to repay. The goal is to rejoice, to be thankful. Elisha, as you, we see in the story here, would not be beholden to Naaman or his money. In verse 16, we read that Elisha said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing from you. God needed nothing from Naaman, and he needs nothing from you or me. Naaman and you and me, we need everything from God. In Acts chapter 8, we see something similar. Turn over there with me real quickly. I'll turn there as well in my Bible. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And we see here in these words uh, a similar story. Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, just like Naaman offered uh, a gift to Elisha for his healing of leprosy. Uh, Acts 8 verse 19 he was saying give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit but Peter said to him your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God would be could be purchased with money you see we've got to make sure our Thanksgiving is for the right reasons and directed in the right way God's grace is not cause and effect. It is unconditional. We, we have grace in our lives because God chose to extend it. Not because we deserve it or because we've earned it. And certainly not because once we receive it, we're, we're required to pay it back or that we can somehow buy it or purchase it. So many people think that. We think that either through through giving tithes and offerings and money, or through our efforts, or through our good deeds, or through just doing enough things, going to church, doing all, that we can somehow earn the grace of God, or even or even worse, as it is here in the case of, of Acts chapter 8, that we think that God's grace can somehow be bought, that we can somehow buy the power uh, of God's grace. It is not a contract. God's grace is a covenant. God's grace is not about making a deal, but about receiving His free gift of eternal life for those who turn to His way of salvation by faith. And that way is to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to die to yourself, to die to your ways, and to follow Him. Well, let me try to wrap this all up. 
what, what is most interesting in this story is that the thanksgiving that came to Naaman's life was set into motion because of the faithful testimony of a little servant girl. Did you catch that the first time we read through it? Doesn't that sound just like how God works using the small things and the weak things to confound the big and the strong? Knowing what you know and what we've seen here this morning in God's Word about God's amazing grace, especially through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, what kind of thanksgiving will this be for you? What are you what are you seeking? Maybe you're like Naaman and, and you've you've been seeking physical healing. I know that all of us long for for these days of this COVID virus and all of its effect and, and, and so many of the things that are going on in our country that we wish there was there was a good solution, a remedy and, and that we could move past it and get, get on. Uh, with our lives, get back to some sort of sense of of normal. Uh, I know that we're all seeking God for so many different things right now. But let's let's allow Him to examine our hearts and say, am I truly thankful? Am I thankful now? Am I only thankful for when I get what I'm seeking? If I get what I'm seeking, am I am I going to truly respond with thanksgiving? Or am I going to feel more indebted and that I've got to repay it all somehow, that I've, got to, that I've got to work to earn it all, to deserve it? All that has been given is the product of the gracious love and mercy of God shed abroad in our lives. That's why we sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What's amazing about this grace it's the fact that, that God chose to give it to you and I, to freely give it, to freely give it through His Son, Jesus Christ, to make it available to you and to me. Not because we, He demanded that we earn it, but because He loves us. So let's allow the love of God to fill our hearts. Let's allow our hearts to be full of thanksgiving uh, just to simply rejoice. God wants us to live our lives as lives of praise and thanks to Him. May it lead us to be filled with the Spirit of the one true God, and when we go to, to celebrate our thanksgivings uh, this season, may every day, every day, our lives share uh, the knowledge that we know that God has poured out His love in our hearts and our lives. And so, out of thankfulness to Him, we're going to live lives of gratitude and grace and peace and mercy. The fruit of the Spirit will flow out of our lives. Let that be our goal. Let that be our desire. Well, I want to leave you with these words that uh, have meant so much to me down through the years. Those of you who know me know that I love the hymns of the church. I was raised on them. And there's one, we don't sing it very often. In fact, if we sing it at all, we typically only sing it around Thanksgiving. But I think some of the words of it just capture again what uh, I feel like God has laid on our my heart this morning and what he's been trying to show us through his word. The words say this, Let all things now living a song of thanksgiving 
to God the Creator triumphantly raise, who fashioned and made us, protected and stayed us, who still guides us on to the end of our days. We too should be voicing our love and rejoicing with glad adoration a song let us raise till all things now living unite in thanksgiving to God in the highest hosanna and praise. I'm so thankful that God looks down upon each and every one of us upon the Naamans of the world and through great men the prophets like Elijah in this story he heals us he takes care of us he meets our needs and he longs for us to recognize his great love in our life and his amazing grace poured out upon us these are good days my friend I know there are challenges I know there are things that we're out there facing but God is working in powerful ways he's still seeking to to win the loss to him he's still desiring to use you and to use me in that great work and I want to encourage you today trust him trust him I'm not sure how things are all going to shake out with all the things that are in the headlines right now and the news right now but I'm confident of this God is on the throne Jesus is our Savior we can trust in him and as we keep pursuing him day in and day out he will be faithful he loves you he loves me he's calling us to be more committed and more devoted to him than ever before to live lives of thanksgiving not trying to repay but to rejoice faithfully in him each and every day may God bless you may you have a great day in the Lord look forward to when we can be together again until then God be with you have a great day